morning. The lesson comes from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 to 8. Yeah. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all mankind together will see it, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out, and I said, what shall I cry? All men are like grass, and all their glory like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. The lesson this morning comes from the book of Luke, chapter 1. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly order of Abijah. His wife was a descendant of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were getting on in years. Once, when Zechariah was serving as priest before God, and his section was on duty, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and offer incense. Now at this time of the incense offering, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. Then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified, and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. For your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink. Even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. With the spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before him, to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, How will I know that this is so? For I am an old man, and my wife is getting on in years. The angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. But now, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak, until the day these things occur. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and had wondered at his delay in the sanctuary. When he did come out, he could not speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He kept motioning to them and remained unable to speak. When his time of service was ended... He went to his home. After those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she remained in seclusion. She said, This is what the Lord has done for me 
when he looked favorably on me and took away the disgrace that I have endured among my people. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? Come Holy Spirit, prepare the way. Make room in our hearts and our minds this morning as we hear these scriptures read and proclaimed for you to do your work in our hearts and in our lives. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen. Christmas is only 24 days away. That's right, Megan, I saw that little dance. You got, you got the idea. I didn't say shopping days, because I'm not so concerned about you getting off to the mall or not, but 24 days left to get ready. What's on your list? Here's mine. To prepare the way of the Lord. I need to put the Christmas lights up. I need to put the tree up. We'd like to bake cookies for the neighbors and do some caroling. There are three more Sundays in Advent that I need to prepare for. There's a blue Christmas service. There's nativity at the mall. There's the Eggers dinner, the angel tree gift, Christmas concerts at the elementary school, and the junior high school. Am I forgetting anything? Guess what? There's also dentist appointments. Because December wasn't busy enough. We thought, why? Why not, right? Prepare the way of the Lord. What's on your list? What do you need to do to be ready for Christmas? And maybe it's not so much about the lights and the cookies. But if I ask you, what do you need to do to prepare the way of the Lord? What's the interior work that you need to do? Where is it that you need to make room in your heart, your mind, your life for Christ coming to us? Because we're starting the season of Advent. It's a Latin word that means coming. We are preparing the way for the coming of Christ. We're going to take a look at this coming set of Sundays at each time the the angels step into the story and bring a message from God. And they start out every one of those interactions with the same two words. Fear not. But fear is a pretty natural part of our lives, isn't it? Everybody gets scared sometimes. What is it that scares you? What is it that gives you that feeling of sweaty palms, where your, your heart beats a little bit faster, and you start breathing a little bit more heavily, and you, you feel that feeling in the, the pit of your stomach? Maybe it's public speaking, right? But what would it be to be fearless? If you do a search for that on Google, you'll find a bunch of different articles like seven traits of fearless leaders and four things fearless people do differently and how to live fearlessly. I was thinking about that this week. What would it be like if you really had no fear? Well, it turns out there's a very small segment of the population that can give us an answer to that. There's a certain disease that you can have in childhood that will attack a particular part of your brain, the amygdala. 
And the amygdala is this little almond-sized little piece at the back of your brainstem, and that's where fear is generated. So for those people who have had damage to that part of their brain, they don't feel any fear. I read a fascinating case study of a woman with this condition. She can climb to the top of the highest buildings and peer right over the edge. Researchers took her to an exotic pet store, and she would play with snakes with her bare hands. Right? She can probably squish a bug without even flinching. But she also ends up taking crazy risks all throughout her life because she has no sense of what might be endangering her. When I read her story, I thought she is perpetually a seventh grader, right? Because I have a seventh grader at home and he has no sense of when he's about to endanger himself or others. So it would be bad to have no fear, right? But actually most of us have the opposite problem. We're probably more likely to have too much fear. Too much fear in the form of anxiety. A plague upon many of us. I'm sure there are some sitting with us here this morning that are being treated for that very thing. Did you know that kids in our society are having more and more anxiety? In the last decade, kids' anxiety has risen by about 20% in the number of cases reported. In a world of high expectations for academics and getting into a good school. In a world of school shootings. In a world of 24-7 social media pressure, it's perhaps not that surprising, is it? So I've been wondering this week, what is the right amount of fear? Not too much, not too little. The Bible uses a particular phrase over and over, that the fear of the Lord especially in the books of Psalms and Proverbs, a fear of the Lord is is lifted up as something that's healthy and good. Uh, You find verses like this. This one comes from Deuteronomy chapter 10, but it reads, So now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? Only to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Isn't that an interesting verse? Fear of the Lord comes first, but it leads to things like loving and serving. This kind of fear is a sense of God's power. That ability to step back and feel awe and respect and wonder at the vastness and the greatness of our God. But this fear of the Lord is not to get in the way either. When the angels pop into the Christmas story, they start their speech over the same way each and every time with two words, fear not. How do you picture the angels when you hear the story read? Do you see like, you know, flappy ones with the big white wings? That's what it'll look like when we add him to our, our manger scene. But, but I wonder if the angels are simply messengers. That's the root of what the word really means. 
I mean, they're really cute, dressed up in the Christmas play. Come see them at the Harrisburg Mall, right? But what if they looked more normal? I'm thinking of Clarence in It's a Wonderful Life, or Denzel in The Preacher's Wife, or those guys in trench coats in the Adjustment Bureau. You know, in all my years of praying and and looking for God in my life, I've never seen an angel with big, white, fluffy wings. But I wonder if I've ever seen an angel. I certainly have known people who have been messengers from God, those who have stepped into my life with just the right encouraging word, with just the right question or conversation that has helped me to move forward in my faith. Well, Zechariah's angel, whatever he looked like, steps in with a message from God. Zechariah's messenger says to him, Do not be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. Do not be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. Does that sound like good news to you? I mean, a prayer that hasn't been heard That doesn't sound too risky, right? You throw a prayer up there, if it's heard or it's not, okay, you keep going. But a prayer that has been heard? Now that's enough to strike a little bit of fear into you, isn't it? Because a prayer that has been heard could change everything. The angel comes down to Zechariah and says, Good news. You and your wife are going to have a son. Your son is going to be special. He will prepare the way of the Lord. Well, Zechariah, he has a little doubt, right? He says to the angel, thanks for the good news, but are you sure? Like, are you really, really sure? I mean, I'm pretty old, and my wife is pretty old. I'm not sure how this is going to work out. And the angel tells him, I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news, but now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day that this happens. Can you imagine what it would be like not to speak for nine whole months? Some of you couldn't do it, could you? Can you imagine what it would be like to keep a secret for nine whole months. Would it be easier to keep a secret if you couldn't speak? Did you ever have to keep a secret that long? Or did you ever have to keep a secret that long? You know, there's two two ways to see that, right? A secret that you want to keep Or there are those other secrets that you have to keep. The ones where you feel like you aren't able to tell anyone. That's a different kind of secret keeping, isn't it? Zechariah goes nine months without speaking to another person. He could be the patron saint of those with laryngitis. Or maybe he could be a different kind of patron saint. For those without a voice, because there are a lot 
in that second category. People without a voice who cannot speak up. People without a voice who will not speak up. People without a voice who lack the power and authority to be believed when they do speak up. Well, if you've ever been like Zechariah and had your doubts about how God was going to make things happen, here's the good news. The Lord is gracious to those who doubt. Zechariah had apparently prayed for years and years that he and his wife would have a baby. And when the angel shows up to tell him that he and his wife are going to have a son, he doubts. He asks the angel, are you sure? He had prayed for it, but he hadn't really expected that it would come true. I wonder what it was like for Zechariah on that day when it was his turn to to go into the temple and offer the incense offering. It sounds like he was just kind of going through the motions. Zechariah didn't really expect God was going to show up that day. Also, when the angel was there, he was afraid. I wonder if any of you feel like that coming to worship this morning. Just going through the motions. You got up in the rain and the snow this morning, and you made it here. But, but why? What was your motivation? Are you here out of obligation? Are you here out of habit? Or are you excited to be here today? Do you really expect that God may show up here this morning? We're just 23 days away from the evening when we'll gather to to hear the bells ring, to, to lift our candles and sing Silent Night. What are your expectations for this Advent season? Or did you come here just trying to get through your list, just hoping that you can make it through the Christmas grind one more time this year? If you did, I wonder, what might be different for you this Advent season? What could God do with you, spiritually, in the next 23 days? Because Advent is a new beginning. Each and every year we declare that it is time for the coming of Christ. The time when a path will be made through the desert. When the high road and the low road will be made plain. When we will prepare a way for the Lord, make straight his paths, and allow him to enter in. So as we begin this season this morning, fear not. Prepare your hearts and your minds today. Expect that when you pray, God will hear you. Expect that God will do great things in you and through you. Thanks be to God. Amen.